previously on Finding Tammy Joe. You know, I couldn't find anybody still in Florida that, you know, knew or had heard about her, so I Googled her. Well, I found nothing. And I'm, I know people leave a trail. And then that's when she's like, um, you need to be calling them. They don't have anything on Tammy. So I contacted them and a missing report was filed. It wasn't until January that I found out that Caledona Jane Doe was my sister. I can't tell you how proud I am uh, to announce that we have identified our Jane Doe from 1979. Hard to imagine that somebody can just throw a child away. It's a great day to give her a name. Kevin, you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, hi, it's Gary Craig that you, know, you and I talked a couple times. Okay. Um, so have I made clear what we're doing, or do you have any questions about it, or just to start off? So. Oh, I mean, I guess it's just <laughs> you're getting information about what happened to Tammy, or at least, I guess, my take on her or whatever. Hi, this is Veronica Volk with WXXI News, and you're listening to Finding Tammy Joe, the podcast. Specifically, you're listening to my co-reporter and co-host, Gary Craig, with the Democrat and Chronicle. He's interviewing Kevin Williams, Tammy Joe Alexander's old boyfriend. So, good time, but you mind if I start tossing some questions your way? No, go ahead. That's fine. So, so how did how did you guys meet? Well, it's, uh, I've always been a bowler, let's put it that way, and there was a little 14-lane bowling center here where I grew up, and um, just one day, I guess, I was at the bowling center, and I guess I, you know, I can't remember if I talked to her or if I just made eye contact with her or whatever it was, but I can remember to this day that as she's walking out and her parents are in front of her and she's behind them, and then right before she gets out of my sight, she turns around and waves at me and then goes out the door. So it was kind of one of those, when you're 18 years old, you say, okay, she likes me. (laughs) You might remember Kevin's name from the last episode. He was the one that wrote a post about Tammy on Zeba Search, about her getting mixed up in prostitution. And we're going to get into that and everything we know about Tammy right up until when she disappeared. But first, we've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about the tragic circumstances of Tammy's death, the mystery of her identity, and the decades that followed. But by all accounts, Tammy was a girl who was so full of life. The way Kevin describes Tammy is the same way her friend, Laurel Now and her sister, Pamela Dyson, also describe her. She was fun, happy, outgoing, and adventurous. Kevin said that's what actually drew him to her. I mean, she was a um, typical teenager that was fun to be around. I guess that's the best way to put it. So today on the podcast, we're going to talk about who Tammy was, according to those who knew her, or at least those we could find. 
We talked. We were raised together, even though we may have not been in the household for, say, I want to say the last four years of her life. We were a part of each other's lives. We saw each other. Even though my mom was like she was, my grandmother and her were very close. We were always going to Brooksville from Dade City. So we were a part of each other's lives. Pamela, Tammy's sister, says their mother's household was a rough environment to grow up in. It was bad enough that Pamela was often sent to live in foster care or with her grandmother. So her and Tammy were separated for a lot of their childhood. My mom was um, a screamer, yeller, slapping, hitting, lock in the closet type of thing. And it didn't take anything to set her off. Their mother, she says, was addicted to prescription drugs. Pamela says her whole life she remembers their mother was suicidal. But that doesn't mean there weren't happy times. Oh, there's lots of things. I mean, we had done lots of things as kids together. You know, not anything that's, I don't know, important to the case or anything. We used to live in a trailer park called Vasco Trailer Park when we were real little. The ditches would fill up with water when it would rain. I remember we'd go swimming in the ditches and there was actually ducks that swam in, swam in the ditches with us, you know, and it was funny and I have a lot of good memories with her. She was a good kid. Still, their home environment being what it was, as the girls got older, they started looking for a way out. I knew she ran away. I ran away several times, but I didn't know that she traveled outside of our comfort zone, you know, like Dade City and Brooksville and Tampa area. By all accounts, Tammy ran away a lot. Her friend Laurel says most of the time they would skip school and go to Tampa, which is about 45 minutes south of Brooksville, Florida, where they lived. And I believe that's just the things, you know, the kids did. You know, you went to the big city, have fun. Brooksville's a really tiny town. Laurel and Tammy met as sophomores in the fall of 1978. It was Tammy's first year at Hernando High School, and they became fast friends. We did a lot of crazy things, you know, ditching school, and I think it just escalated into, you know, getting in trouble. And when you get in trouble with your parents, of course, life gets ugly, you know. And I think it must have gotten really ugly for her. You know, I I think it was her that wanted to leave. And I just went along, really. Laurel says even though Tammy didn't talk about it, she knew her friend's home life wasn't great. So they decided to run away together. All I can remember is walking, we walked away from my mom and dad's house through I don't know how many fields, you know, to get to a freeway. The girls hitchhiked. Laurel says it was something they commonly did to get around. First they went north through Florida, then they caught a ride with two separate truckers going west. They talked to each other on CB radios. Tammy knew how to use one. Her parents operated a little restaurant in Brooksville that was popular with truckers, and Tammy waited tables there. The girls, they even had their own CB handles. Hers was Easy Baby, and she gave me um, Mystery Lady. Tammy and Laurel rode all the way to Texas that way. Then they met up with a different trucker and rode with him all the way to Los Angeles, California. 
Running away from home and hitchhiking across the country to the West Coast sounds almost romantic, but Laurel says she doesn't remember it that way. You know, there's a lot more to this. It's just, you know, not not too pretty kind of things. You know, it wasn't all that peachy. It sounds like, oh, we had this great old time. It, to me, it wasn't a great old time. You know, maybe it was to her. It was freedom for her. To me, I missed my mom. <laughs> you know, I really did. You know, I wanted to go home. Laurel and Tammy were 15. And Laurel says she felt like she was in over her head. Well, we got hooked up with this guy in Texas that took us to a bar, and we got pretty well drunk. You know, and it just, to me, it was real ugly, the whole thing. And until we got out of that the next day. After Texas, after L.A., the girls rode down to Phoenix, or maybe it was Tucson. Laurel doesn't remember exactly which. That's when the trucker they were with suggested they call their parents. You know, when I called my mom, of course she was horrified, you know, and she immediately started working on getting me back. And then I found out from Tammy, you know, she said her mom didn't want her or didn't care if she stayed out, out, you know, out here. So my my mom ended up, you know, getting her on the plane, too. I think it's important to say here that Tammy's parents are no longer alive. So we couldn't ask them about any of this stuff, and they don't have a chance to give us their side of what was happening. Tammy could have just been saying that to her friend because she didn't want to leave. Because, like Laurel says, Tammy seemed to really enjoy the lifestyle. She was very... Uh... Just bouncy, happy-go-lucky. She would talk to anybody, um, engage a person in a conversation, and people were just drawn to her, just drawn to her. And I guess that's, you know, I make a point of that because I'm probably the total opposite. Um, I would just much rather uh, leave me alone kind of a person, <laughs> you know. Um she seemed to just be happy as a clam talking to a truck driver. And, of course, that makes sense. You now she was around truck drivers. Anyway, Laurel's mother flew them both back to Florida. But it didn't end there. Laurel is intentionally vague on the details. But she says the girls got in some more trouble, this time with the law. And after that, they were forbidden from seeing each other. Let's just say, fortunately, they write, they write that stuff off when you're a juvenile. Laurel says she was sent to a detention center for about two weeks, but Tammy wasn't. Laurel's not sure why not. After that, toward the end of the school year, Laurel's parents decided they were moving. I was leaving, you know, going to New Mexico. You know, my parents decided to get the hell out of town after all this stuff. I don't want to make it sound like I was perfect, because I wasn't. You know, of course, I had my own problems, but no, I did not run away from home before, you know, meeting her. Laurel says she doesn't remember Tammy being in school at the time, at the end of the school year in 1979. But one day, Tammy got a ride to the school and said goodbye to her friend. She gave her a letter. 
we actually have um, a copy of that letter that I'm going to read from right now. <clears throat> I hate these kinds of letters. They're so damn sad. Especially when you have to say goodbye to the person who means the most to you. I guess I've got to make the best of it. Nobody says I have to like it, and I sure as hell don't like it. So if anyone doesn't like it, they can kiss my ass. Further down the page, it says, I'll never forget you as long as I live. That was the last time Laurel saw Tammy Jo Alexander, but it wasn't the last time she was seen. During Tammy's sophomore year, she was going out with Kevin Williams, who'd recently graduated. The timeline is fuzzy, but here's what we've sorted out. Tammy met with Laurel toward the end of the school year to say goodbye and give her the letter. Then sometime after that, she went to live in Georgia. She stayed at a place called Rainbow Prison Ministries. We don't know a whole lot about the place, or what Tammy was doing there, or who else she would have been in contact with while she was there. Tammy's parents are gone, and the people who owned it have since passed away. It was after her stay there that Kevin says he saw her for the last time. She had called me from St. Petersburg, and she gave me directions on how to meet her at a, like a condo or an apartment complex. And I drive into St. Pete, and I meet her there, and, uh, you know, we go out to a... Uh, to uh, like a Burger King or McDonald's or something like that. And spend a little time together, and then I had to bring her back to the condo. And the last thing I remember is, you know, she walks up to the condo door, the door opens, you can't see anybody, and then she walks in and maybe gives me a little wave and the door closes. With no address or directions written down, no GPS or cell phone to refer to, Kevin's at a loss for where exactly he dropped off Tammy that last time. I think that if the FBI ever found someone who was connected to that condominium or that townhouse or whatever it was in St. Pete, maybe that would be a clue, I don't know. That's where Kevin says he got this idea in his head that Tammy had gotten into some kind of trouble. She said that they, the people that were there had bought her a few things. And, um, you know, I kind of speculated years later that maybe it was someone trying to get her involved in prostitution or something like that, but I, of course I was wrong. Um, what they were trying to do, if it was just trying to help her, um, or if they were involved in, in what happened up in New York, I don't know. There's just no way to know. Kevin has his own theories about what may have happened to Tammy. But he says, looking back, he thinks he was wrong about the prostitution. Mostly, he says, he was hurt. He spent a lot of time thinking about that trip to St. Petersburg over the years since he last saw Tammy Jo. I, it's hard to explain. It's, um, when you can't finalize something, and it's just ended like that, where you kind of expect the person to call you back and the person never calls you back, it's almost like you're locked in that time zone. Next time on the podcast, we have some news to fill you in on. 
Identifying Tammy Jo Alexander was a huge break in this case, and we'll tell you all about the ongoing investigation to this point. I'm Veronica Volk, WXXI News. And I'm Gary Craig, Democrat and Chronicle. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or listen on our website, findingtammyjo.com. New episodes come out every Sunday. If you've been enjoying this podcast, come out and hear a live taping at the Little Theater on June 13th. It'll be our last episode, and we're going to take some audience questions. If you can't make it, we'll be releasing the live show as a podcast that you can find in all of our feeds at the regularly scheduled time on Sunday. More info at our website, findingtammyjo.com. This podcast is produced by WXXI News and the Democrat and Chronicle. Thanks so much for listening.